Welcome to the Next in Health podcast. I'm Igor Belakronitsky, a principal with PwC Strategy End, where I get to help leading health organizations with their strategies and operating models. And on the Next in Health podcast, we continue returning to a set of related topics, which are all about our health ecosystem and how to make sure that we're making it stronger, more affordable, more resilient, and more equitable as we face up to the future challenges. And somewhere at the intersection of all of those topics is the topic of ESG. It's a big topic, and to cover it today and to do it justice, I have a guest co-host, Pete Regis. Pete is a PwC audit partner in our Chicago office. He leads our trust ESG efforts, supporting companies in health industries on their ESG journey. And we're also joined today to discuss this topic by Brian Henry and Wayne Lombardi, who will introduce themselves. Wonderful introduction here. Brian Henry, I'm a managing director with PwC's ESG transformation practice. I serve as pharmaceutical and life sciences champion. I help organizations to formulate and execute strategies to operationalize ESG within their footprint and seemingly more importantly nowadays in their value chain. Hi, I'm Wayne Lombardi a principal in PwC's digital assurance and technology practice and an ESG health services sector champion. My focus is helping our payer and provider clients tackle the challenges and risks they are facing in today's increasingly complex business and regulatory environment. I'm happy to be with you all today. And this is Pete Regis. Igor, thanks again for that introduction and thanks for letting me join you today on the podcast. Way and Brian, thanks so much for being here. I know we spend a lot of time together working with clients and within the firm. Maybe as we kick things off, could you give us a brief lay of the land in terms of where we're at with ESG and again, environmental, social, and governance within the health industry space? ESG is really an interesting topic. It's one that's gotten so much attention. It certainly is broad. It resonates with every company in health industries as, you know, if you look at the mission statements, they're either in some way focused around the social aspect of ESG. It's putting the patient at the center of everything we do, or it's improving the patient quality of life, or it's providing some life-saving healthcare. No matter what you call it, it's all ESG. Brian, completely agree. For companies in the healthcare industry, whether you're a drug maker or a hospital, one of the key ESG issues is access. Whether it's access to medicine, to clinical trials, to equitable, or even locally convenient healthcare, it's all about access. And most are unaware of the great programs that many of our clients have because they don't report on it in their ESG report or any other publications. Sometimes effective ESG comes down to telling your story your way. We'll talk more about why access is a key ESG issue as we continue the conversation today. You know, I love that take, Wayne. I really do. Because so much energy is focused nowadays on the regulatory landscape. And we understand that. Given the SEC proposal on climate disclosures that we have in North America, but in the EU and internationally, mature regulations like CSRD and ISSB are also there. And so since larger companies and health industries are subject to sometimes overlapping regulatory proposals, their energy and focus has been on complying with that and on making sure they can collect the data and normalize the data needed to provide investor-grade ESG reporting. And as important as that is, there are other stakeholders that need to be considered. Outside of the regulatory sphere, there are suppliers and 
patients and employees and the communities in which our clients operate. And so it's critical that these companies respond positively to pressure from investors to clearly articulate their ESG values, as you said, Wayne, to tell their story. And so we are seeing clients revisit their ESG strategy to strengthen the connection between that and their brand. And by doing this, they can go on offense. They can take advantage of opportunities in the marketplace to stand up new sustainable business models versus a purely defensive posture that is of ESG reporting and risk mitigation. At least that's what we have been seeing in the market. Yeah, Brian, that's an interesting point, obviously touching on the regulations, but what is outside of that that's certainly relevant to the topic. So Wayne, maybe I'll come back to you. How do you see that from a differential for profit versus not-for-profit organizations in health services? Thanks, Pete. For-profit and not-for-profit healthcare organizations have different motivators, audiences, and reporting requirements when it comes to ESG. But both serve communities that are increasingly aware of what socially responsible organizations look like. Additionally, regulators, investors, consumers, and employees have increased expectations for responsible business practices. Providers and payers can differentiate themselves by improving their reporting and storytelling around ESG and build trust with the communities and stakeholders they serve. What does that translate in terms of what we're seeing in the market? We are having more conversations with our public and payer and provider clients as they are beginning to comprehend the significant amount of work that will be required to comply with the impending standards. Some of our larger not-for-profit clients are beginning and in some cases accelerating their ESG journeys. This includes performing peer benchmarking and materiality assessments to help them determine their strategy in those areas they plan to differentially invest in as an organization. We're also seeing many of these companies publish their inaugural ESG reports. Smaller not-for-profits are also beginning to take notice as they are receiving ESG questions from board members, customers, and potential customers. As we mentioned before, an ESG report is a nice way to help you tell your story in a way that not only meets investor needs, but helps the community, suppliers, and even your own employees understand the initiatives you are undertaking when it comes to ESG. For example, one client we recently served makes community-based healthcare a centerpiece of their overall strategy. By putting smaller walk-in clinics in traditionally underserved neighborhoods, especially low-income and high-crime areas, that has helped positively impact health outcomes through the availability of early screening and regular physical health exams. Prior to these clinics, many community members did not have the ability to get to larger clinics or hospitals, and when they did, often faced hours-long wait times for care. Wayne, I love this example of an organization that puts ESG at the center point of their strategy, and this is not very common yet. And as we look at the market conditions for this year and our outlook for payers, providers, life sciences companies, whether for-profit or non-for-profit, Everyone is feeling the margin squeeze and everyone is making tough choices about where they're going to focus and where they're going to deprioritize. And I worry that for some organizations, ESG might end up on the cutting room floor or seen as a luxury that can no longer be afforded. So any thoughts on how health organizations can continue keeping ESG front and center even as they're feeling the squeeze? Yeah, that's a very thoughtful question, Igor. And in thinking through that, I would have to say this takes us back to strategy. If your focus is relatively narrow 
And there are times it needs to be. If you're focusing on reporting and compliance only, then ESG is a cost and maybe even an unavoidable cost under the proposed regulations that we have. And, you know, if I think about ESG, especially more recently, it's become polarizing. ESG can divide a room. Different individuals have very different views on it. But if we strip away the rhetoric and we examine the facts, it really shouldn't be. Sustainability and ESG is about identifying risk to your business, whether that is operational or transition risk. It's identifying and reducing that risk. It's about running your business in the best way possible. It's about reducing energy and raw materials costs while minimizing impact on the environment. Again, that's just good business. It's about identifying and taking advantage of new emerging revenue streams. Again, good business. So in reality, ESG is about being strategic. The areas that ESG seeks to improve are exactly the same as those that any effective business strategy seeks to influence. And so my counter question, which may not be very useful here, would be who can afford to not invest in being more sustainable? And as we look out at those organizations that have understood how you integrate your ESG strategy into the overall business strategy and how you use ESG to help achieve organizational objectives, they tend to be very successful. These organizations are able to articulate the value they're creating through ESG. They can position the reporting and compliance aspects to support the value proposition. They have an in-depth understanding of the data they need to report, where that data comes from, how they collect it, organize it, normalize it, assure it, and use it to gain operational insights. These organizations can integrate ESG into their business processes and their culture, which can reduce inefficiency and the cost that you would have if you only see ESG as a bolt-on. And that's my story, Igor. I'm sticking to it. Brian, I enjoyed and agree with your story. Organizations who successfully create value through ESG do so by identifying an overall owner, developing realistic, actionable plans, and involving the right representation from across the enterprise, finance, IT, operations, supply chain, legal and compliance, people, process, and technology, working in concert to produce and leverage data that provides for better insights and allows for ESG-driven business decisions. Providers and payers who are embracing this approach are identifying opportunities to run their businesses more effectively and efficiently and in line with a diverse set of stakeholders they serve. Examples include reducing waste and electricity usage, enhancing supply chains, improving access to care, corporate governance and compliance, and taking actions that positively affect employee engagement and retention. Thanks, Bolt, for that. Let's carry it on to another topic, but I think it continues on this concept of where cost and value meet. We're continuing to see a lot of mega deals across the industry. What role do you see ESG playing in that space? We're definitely seeing a trend with increasing velocity related to ESG and deals. Acquiring companies are seeking to understand the ESG performance of target companies, Strong ESG ratings and results are attractive to acquiring companies as they can be an indication of strong company culture, reputation, and appropriate governance and compliance. But unfortunately, the reverse is also true. Executive management and boards should be ensuring their organizations have the right focus on ESG. 
If you're on a board or have a senior management role in an organization and you don't have an understanding of your organization's ESG strategy, we'd suggest asking a few probing questions. Do we have an ESG leader? Which elements of ESG are we focused on? Do we have an ESG report? What does our roadmap look like? Sometimes a deal can have unintended consequences, meaning you may not be subject to certain reporting rules, but post-integration, you may find that you are. Making sure ESG is part of the buy and sell side due diligence is an increasingly important consideration. You are so spot on, Wayne. That is exactly right. And we're even encountering clients that are in the preclinical stage. They're pre-revenue. They're closely held. And these companies are still investing in ESG as a way to both attract and retain top talent in an extremely competitive marketplace but also to potentially increase their value in an acquisition. So again, when ESG is approached from a strategic perspective, it tends to have positive impact on deal value, both from an operational and private equity perspective. So Brian, what role does technology play in measuring reporting and impacting ESG? It's a great question, Pete. Again, if you think about how ESG operates, by its very nature, it requires quite a bit of interaction between people, functions, processes, systems, and data. In some cases, you know, functions that don't typically collaborate together. Because ESG data runs broad and deep and is so far-reaching in impact, right? So you think about the kind of data. This can be revenue, capex or opex. This could be human capital data coming from HR systems. This could be product data, product carbon footprints, or other operational data. So clients need IT platforms that they can rely on to track performance, to improve their planning, essentially play out what-if scenarios and understand the impacts of those, provide predictive analytics, report on and reasonably assure ESG metrics, drive compliance, and last but not least, provide another facet that drives business insight. So these systems are critical. So Brian and Wayne and Pete, we've covered many different aspects of ESG, and I want to bring us to a conclusion here by talking probably about the most important component of this, which is people. And starting perhaps with the clinical workforce, as we know, this is one of the biggest challenges in the industry is addressing the gaps that we have in the workforce, reinventing the jobs within healthcare making healthcare a better place to work, a more sustainable, more inclusive place to work. And so give us your thoughts on the role that ESG can play in addressing some of these workforce issues in healthcare. Employee health and safety, and especially mental health, are front and center topics for healthcare workers. The pandemic caused thousands of workers to leave the industry, leaving hospitals short staff, which in turn causes more stress and burnout. ESG won't magically cure this, but the focus on employee safety and whole health is something that companies can focus on as we essentially rebuild and repair our healthcare system post-pandemic. Thank you for addressing such an important topic, Wayne. To my part, I think more and more of today's workforce are making employment decisions based on values alignment, whether it's their own personal values and that of their employer, whether it's climate or DENI or equity really doesn't matter what the issues are. It's critical. 
And these workers are the workers that will take companies into the future. They're going to lead the charge on important topics. And so ESG is something we shouldn't underestimate in terms of its power and its influence. Personally, I'm very proud to work for a company with well-established net zero and equity goals. To work for a company that provides lead platinum buildings in terms of the certification. So for those employees who choose to go to the workplace, they get to work in a place that is really, really friendly to the environment. Buildings positioned close to major transportation hubs so that many of our workers who have decided to reduce their own personal carbon footprint by maybe not owning or driving a car to work, have the ability to easily get to the workplace. So even in thinking about just these two points, an ESG strategy, when done effectively, really aligns values. When values are aligned, that results in higher performing organizations. And those higher performing organizations provide great value to investors and customers with an eye on minimizing impact on the one planet that we all call home. So is ESG important? I think it is. That's very inspiring. And so let's now take the elevator or the stairs up from the front lines where the care is delivered up to the executive suite. And we can picture a room and there are many rooms like that around the country with the C-suite executives of a health system or a payer or life sciences company. And they're in the room, they're discussing their strategy and they look around the room at each other. Whose job is ESG? Who's accountable for ESG in that room? Who do you think it should be? It's an interesting question, Igor. If we say it's everyone's job, it can be taken to mean it's no one's job. Instead, with ESG moving from voluntary to mandatory reporting, it's important to formalize the program. Very often that starts with detailing a proper governance structure. That means having a formal executive sponsor, very often a cross-functional committee of representatives, and periodic board updates. The board's involvement is critically important for operationalizing ESG by harnessing workforce innovation, creativity, and passion is executive management's job. Completely agree. And as we remarked earlier, we think about the breadth and depth of ESG reporting and the data that's needed to satisfy regulatory disclosures and reporting requirements. It's quite a challenge. But we've found that this can be addressed by implementing an ESG controller role. And this role has the ability and the foresight and the vision to collect, organize, normalize, report, and assure ESG data. And while doing that, maintain visibility and connectivity and familiarity with the business processes that produce the data. So maybe the ESG controller role might be a topic for future discussion. Let me throw that out to Igor and Pete and see what you say. We would love to have you back to discuss the possibilities that are created by having an ESG controller or a similar role and just really getting practical and rolling up our sleeves and getting further into this topic. But for today, I'm so grateful, Brian, to you, to Wayne and Pete for co-hosting a phenomenal discussion. And I feel like you really helped us take this topic and reframe it in a way that makes it essential to every organization's agenda, in a way that makes it strategic, and in a way that connects it to the growth agenda of those health organizations. So that's a great and a very helpful and a very necessary reframe. So thank you, Brian. Thank you, Wayne. And thank you, Pete. For more 
on these topics and other health industry insights driven by policy, innovation, and care delivery changes. Please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to check out the past episodes. Until next time, this has been Next in Health. This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.